Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7. Uh, I want you to listen to this. Um, and I want you to uh, just what comes to mind. Roosevelt. Lady Gaga. Bin Laden. Reagan. Beyonce. Uh, Hitler. Oprah. Obama. Luther King Jr., Prince, Trump, Biden, Augustine, Calvin, Luther, Driscoll, Keller, Piper, Sproul, Warren, Rob Bell. Some of you are like, what's the theme there? There's no theme. You didn't miss a pattern. They're all names that to one degree or another, you know. And Here's what I know is that I've said those names. There are certain things that come to mind with each of those names. For some of them, they're very positive. Some of them, you know, it's a great name. It has a good reputation. Others are negative. Some of you are like, that's a, that's a good name. That's a bad name, right? Because names are really important, aren't they? In fact, one of the most significant things, one of the most sacred things that moms and dads do is to name their children. Right, and we obsess over this. And some of you like, we're gonna keep it a secret and nobody can know. And you know, I'm going to study the books and I wanna look at biblical names and I wanna look at all kinds of names because I wanna make sure we get this right. You only get one name and I gotta make sure we nail it, right? We're, we're obsessed over this. We, we, we really think deeply about names. One of the most sacred things we do as a people, as a civilization, we might say, is to remember the names of people who have died. That's why we have gravestones. That's why when there's a tragedy in the world and a memorial is built, what do we do? We actually want to name all the people. Joseph Stalin famously said that, you know, the death of one is a tragedy. The death of millions is a statistic. He's right. Why? Because they're just a number. That's why we want to name people. Dale Carnegie said, I'll paraphrase him, that the sweetest sound to anyone's ear is the sound of their name, right? Isn't it important to you when you know somebody or you just met somebody and they're able to call you by your name? And we sort of have levels of names, don't we? I mean by that like there's, there's look, Many of you know me as Pastor Chris. Some of you call me Chris. Maybe children would call me Mr. Lewis. Four people in the world can call me dad. One person, unless it's a sassy waitress, can call me honey, right? Um, These are these are really important. This is how you invoke me, how I invoke you, what I call you. And so the third commandment that we look at today is all about a name, a really important name. So look at Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7 with me. God says this to Moses, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It's pretty simple. What does it mean? That's all I want to do today. I just want to answer a few questions about what does this mean, why it's important, and then how is it that we obey or disobey this commandment, okay? 
What does it mean? Um, see, if I go to the first commandment, we looked at it and said, you have no other gods. And we look at that and say, okay, so worship only God. Got it. In fact, I think that's pretty important that I don't worship another God. I worship the one God, the true God. Commandment number two, don't craft God into some image of your liking. God is God. He's who he's revealed himself to be in scripture. And we don't, we don't reduce God to something in our minds, right? We said it always, any, any God of our mind will always, always conceal more about God than it will reveal. Now, those feel really important, but the truth of the matter is when we get to commandment three, a lot of us go, okay, we're talking about cussing. What we're talking about, I can't, I can't say a, a few things, right? Um, I have to be careful that I don't use God's name as a swear word. And so it doesn't feel really as uh, important, in, and, and until you look closely and realize that for God, this is incredibly important. In fact, just because just we all know the first part of the, of the commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Did you see the comma and the rest of it? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me say it this way. God reserves the right of punishment. He doesn't tell us what it is. He says, I'll decide and I will be the one that tells you what the punishment is. In fact, when you turn over, I won't take you there now, but you can, you go into the book of Leviticus and there's actually a story about a man, two men getting a fist fight, apparently. I mean, they're going at it and one of them in the middle of the fight blurts out and it says, blasphemes the name. We don't know what he said. We don't know how it sounded. We have no, but they come and they're like, oh, we know that's bad. We don't know what to do about it. So they grab the guy. They put him in custody. They go to Moses and they say, Moses, what do we do with this guy? Moses says, let me go ask God. Moses goes to God and says, what should we do? And God says, stone him to death. This is not a minor offense. This is not a small issue in God's mind. You have blasphemed the name. So what does this mean? When he says, do not take the name of the Lord your God's name. Don't take his name in vain. Because he won't hold guiltless the person who takes his name in vain. What does he mean? Well, let's look at a couple of words there because I think this is going to help us. Um, the word take. Most of us. If we were to paraphrase it, what does God mean by taking his name in vain? Most would say, uh, let's just take the word take out and put in the word uh, speak. Something like that. You shall not speak. In other words, don't put it on your lips. Don't, don't somehow cuss or curse and use the Lord's name as part of that. Don't, don't denigrate God with your words. Certainly it means that. But that's not all the word means. That's not, in fact, that word take has, has really very little to do with speech. Yes, indeed, we must be careful. That man blasphemed God out loud and he was stoned to death. But the word actually means in Hebrew to bear or to carry. Now think about this. Don't bear the name of God in vain. That's what we're learning so far, okay? Don't bear it in vain. Does that mean bear it on your lips? Of course it does. Could it mean more? For sure. Then he says, don't take it in vain. 
Now, some of you know that in Ecclesiastes, we've got this, you know, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You know, what, 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 what does it profit a man? If he's, you know, they, it, this, this word about, about how our life is vaporous. And, and that's the idea of vanity there. Sometimes we hear the word vain and we think of conceit, you know, arrogance. The word vain here means uh, uh, empty, it means no good. It means it's, it, it's no purpose, right? So if we were to put it all together, we would say, don't bear the name of God in a, such a way that you empty it of its meaning for the Lord won't hold guiltless the person who does that. Don't bear it in a way of no purpose. Don't, don't make God's name purposeless. Don't make it have no weight. Don't take away from it. Don't bear it that way. So, so that's, that's what is, is happening here. So is it about speech? Yes, at a minimum it's about speech, but it's about far more, okay? That's what it means. But why is this commandment so important? Like, if you think about this, right? If this is just about a mere slip of the tongue, why is God so serious about it? Like, man, Lord, it's not that, you know, sorry, God, I, I kind of just let slip with something, I'll try to do better. If that's the case, why does this make it into God's top 10? Why is God so concerned that a mere slip of the tongue, if that's what even happened in Leviticus with the two men fighting, results in a man dead? Uh, well, if, you, if you're, you're in Exodus 20, you can kind of forward over to Exodus 33 and just look, look at Look at the weight that's given to the name. And, and here's the story. Moses has this relationship with God like nobody but Jesus has had. Um, and he, the Bible's, Exodus is going to talk about how Moses talked to God as a man talks to his friend. They, they talked, you know, like back and forth apparently. And Moses at one point builds up the courage with God who is talking to him like a friend and says, God, show me your glory. That's Exodus 33 and verse 18. Moses, God, show me your glory. God basically says to Moses, Moses, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, cause all my goodness to pass for you and I'm going to speak and proclaim my name over you because Moses, I can't show you. I can't uncork my glory here or you'll just die. Like you'll vaporize you. I can't do that to you. I love you, Moses, and I don't want you to die, right? So he says, and then you fast forward to Exodus 34 verses six and seven. This is exactly what God does. God puts Moses in a, in a little, you know, crevice he passes by him and he speaks his name over him in verse 6 the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty uh, uh, visiting the iniquity of the children of the fathers and the children the children's children to the third and fourth generation uh, side note if you want to know what all that means about the third and fourth generation listen to last week's sermon we discussed that. But notice this. This is God saying, I'm going to speak my name. My name is so glorious and so important that Moses, you want to see my glory? I, I can't do it the way you think I'm going to do it. I'll do it by just giving you my name. And so he speaks and his name is a really long name, isn't it? Right? 
the Lord, the Lord, compassion and gracious. I mean, this is saying, this is who I am. This is my identity. That's exactly what's going on here. God, God reveals, as we talked about last week, God doesn't reveal himself in images. He reveals himself in words. That's why we have our Bible. That's why there wasn't a sketch artist on Mount Sinai. This is God saying, I'm gonna tell you who I am and you're gonna get all my glory. I want you to see that glory in the words that I give you. Names are special and in the Bible, names always reveal something about the character of the, of the person being named. You know, Jacob, deceiver, it reveals something about Jacob. We could go on and on with the different names in scripture. Um, and so God says, here I am. And I wanna reveal myself and my glory in my name. And so this is one reason that when scripture talks about God, it uses some of the most exalted language. I mean, just here's some examples. Psalm 8.1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You're already saying, the psalmist is saying, there's just no name like yours. Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Have you ever thought about that? Like I named some names at the beginning of this, Roosevelt and Reagan and Beyonce or whatever. Now, now like, like so we, we think of those and think, okay, you know, whatever you think, some people would go, that's a, boy, that's a name that if I ever, ever saw that person, there would be this, you know, a sense of glory around them and I want to ascribe them. This is saying, ascribe to the Lord, the glory to his name. His name is worth being glorified. None of us can talk like this. Nobody can say, ascribe to Chris the glory to his name. What's Chris? What do you, like, that, that, that's nothing. God's saying my name is so glorious. This is why Jesus in his model prayer is gonna say what? You've all memorized it when you were kids in any sort of religious training. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your name be holy, high, and lifted up. It's why the apostles are gonna say when they're going out and preaching the gospel, you must believe on the name because there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. There is no other name. That's why Paul is gonna say that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Where Ike finished with Philippians 2, all pick up after Jesus has done all that stuff, God bestowed on him the name above every other name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know why this is so important? Because all of history will culminate in a name, in the worshiping of a name. This is massive. This is not to be taken lightly. But, but we do, don't we? If truth be told, the way we use the name um, is not the way necessarily God intended. And so I, wanna, I want us to look at that. I want us to just sort of, if, if God is saying, you, you know, you, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain because he's not gonna hold a, that person guiltless. If God is saying you shall not bear the name of God in such a way that it empties it of its meaning, 
then gosh, we want to be sure. And if God reserves the right to punishment, then we want to be sure that we're on the right side of this, that we're not, we're not you know, flagrantly running afoul of commandment number three. And so how do we do that? How do we disobey the third commandment? Let me give you three things. There's, I'm certain there's much more we could say, but in the time we have, let me give you three. We bear the name of God in vain when we use it dishonestly, okay? Now, this would be uh, as simple, and I don't mean simple like it's not a problem. I mean, it's obvious if you go to court and you're asked to you know, be a witness and they put your hand on the Bible and you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, and then you lie. Commandment three, right? You've perjured yourself. You have invoked the name of God dishonestly. That seems pretty obvious. Very few people, I imagine, in this room have perjured yourself on a jury stand. Uh, but, but look, I, I think there's, there's, there's far more than that. I think there's people who take the name of the Lord, they, they empty of it of its meaning when they use it dishonestly. And one of the ways we can use it dishonestly is by using the name of God to give us moral authority. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been around somebody or maybe you've said it yourself, God told me? You know, God told me, it's the old youth group thing of God told me I'm going to marry you someday. And the person's like, well, he hasn't told me, right? And we're going to have to have a conversation. Um, we use God's name to back us up, don't we? Now, now look, I, I want to be clear. I do believe that God gives us impression. I do believe that God gives us wisdom. I do believe that God directs our steps. I think there's lots of ways we can talk about how God is orchestrating things. But let me say this, you better be really careful before you invoke the name of God and say, God told me. The first rule of God telling you is that you could be wrong. And many people will do this. Now listen, um, you better be sure that if you're gonna say God told me that you're, you're, what, what God told you is backed up by scripture, that you can find a, a basis in scripture for what you're saying. I had, listen, I had somebody tell me the other day about um, they prayed about something and felt a peace from God about it, but it turns out the thing they felt a peace of God, uh, from God about doesn't line up with scripture. So let me just say this, God's not within a thousand miles of that answered prayer. God's not within a thousand miles of your peace. You can convince yourself all day long, but what you're doing is you're taking, you're invoking the name of God to support and do something you wanna do and then giving, saying God has given me authority. That is using the name of God dishonestly. No one, I don't care who they are, can say God told me and that therefore we should put that on anywhere near the par of scripture. You understand what I'm saying? Your personal impressions are not as authoritative as scripture. Scripture trumps you every time. Be careful that you don't bear the name in vain by using it dishonestly. The second thing, I think we do is that we handle it carelessly. Okay, opposite of careless is we're careful. 
okay? We, 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 we tend to be careless with how we use the name of God. We're careless in our praying, right? We use God, we use Christ in our prayers, we use Jesus in our prayers in place of um. Dear God, I love you, God. Thank you, God, for this day. God, we're so grateful that you've let us come here today. God and Jesus, we're, thank you, Jesus, and I love you, Jesus. And you just, it's like it's replacing any place there would have been a pause for you. Um, or, or we do this. We, we confuse the members of the Trinity. Now, now let me just explain something, right? Y'all, y'all understand as Orthodox Christians, we believe there's one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father's not the Son of the Spirit. The Son's not the Father of the Spirit. The Spirit's not the Father of the Son, and yet they're one. Do we understand it? Not completely. We see it in Scripture, and so we believe it. But what we must be careful to do is that we're not sloppy with how we refer to God. Right? He's not, it's not Jesus Dad, it's not um, Father, thank you for dying on the cross. It's not Spirit, Father, we love you. That'd be like saying, hey, Michelle, Gabby. Hey, Gabby, Sam, right? Like, you know, we're, we're individuals here. Don't, don't confuse me. I'm I, I, like, like, we have to be careful. Now, look, I don't think God is, is saying everybody has to have their, their theological pre- uh, 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 categories precisely in order, and boy, you can't make a mistake. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying sometimes we just simply don't think. Jesus says this. In, in Matthew chapter six, right before the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. You see what he's saying? Like, don't just pile on words. Here's what the Gentiles, meaning, meaning the, the, the non-Jews, meaning for Jesus, these were the pagan people. Don't do that. Don't be like them. Don't just pile, some of us think if I can, I've just got to keep talking and somehow I might punch the right combination in order and then, you know, God, the slot machine will come down and God will spill out his blessings. No. No, he says, don't be like that. Your father knows that's to fundamentally misunderstand God. He knows and yet we pray. He's not saying don't pray. But maybe the writer of Ecclesiastes has it right. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse two. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your word be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. That's something we need to hear in growth groups, right? (laughs) It's something we need to hear around tables when we get to pray. What do we do? Very often, right? Listen, I'm guilty of this. So don't hear me throwing stones your direction. I feel the weight of this. There are times when we pray and we're almost trying to discover what we want to say by just talking. You know, it'd be a really good discipline if we all learned to just quiet ourselves and pray really consciously and deliberately and say exactly what we mean. Maybe we ought to pray shorter prayers. I'm not talking about when you're on your own. 
When you're praying before God and you're like, I don't even know what to pray right now, God. I'm so confused. I'm so hurt. I'm so whatever. I'm just kind of pouring. The Bible does talk about pour out your heart before him. That's a good thing. But we ought to be careful that we're not using. Sometimes we, we pray around people so that they can go, wow, boy, you know how to pray. You are some words I never heard. <laughs> right? And here's the Bible saying, hey, you're, you're not... You're not trying to just get as many combination orders in so that maybe you'll, you'll unlock it. You're, 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 let your words be few. He knows. He's God. Well, we come into worship, right? We just sang some beautiful songs. And, and look, we're all here, right? We all know that we sing and we're going, what's for lunch, right? And thinking about something else and our mind is wandering. Look, I get that. And fallen people, we do that. Our minds wander. Do you ever, because you should, do you ever sort of go, no, I'm singing right now what I believe. Because if we're just singing empty words, we're bearing the name of God in vain. We're using it carelessly. Think about politicians. Think about every presidential address you've heard in history that ends with God bless you and God bless America. And very few of them are living in any way that would say they believe or worship the God of the Bible. It's a trite formula. They blithely invoke the name of God for their own ends. They bear the name of God in vain. They empty it of meaning. Or, okay, we use God as a curse word. Or, or maybe it's not damning something in God's name but we use it so casually. My God, oh my God. In fact, we reduce it down so far, it's three letters in a text message. Some of us out of context say things like, hallelujah. Do you know what hallelujah says? Do you know what that means, literally? Hallel, praise in Hebrew, Yah, Yahweh. I'm actually saying praise God. Jehovah Jireh. I don't mean that. You say, man, come on, Chris, just a text. You know what happens when we do this to the name of God? We empty it of its weightiness, of its gravitas. We don't feel any kind of, listen, there are words, you know this, that if I go out into the public and I'm standing and there's people around me that I, they don't know me and I blurt out certain words, people would put their hand over their mouth, they would gasp, they would go, I cannot believe you just said that in public. Why doesn't the God of the universe, the name above every other name, how majestic is your name in all the earth, why doesn't God deserve the same kind of respect? or more. So I get it, I get it. Non-Christian people, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, I, I, I expect none of this from you. You don't bear the name. 
Non-Christian people are gonna say, oh my God. They're gonna use Jesus Christ. They're gonna say these names in ways that are, 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 are cursing, are, are casual, in all kinds of careless ways. But we, Christian, if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, you bear the name. And how casual do we take it? How much do we act like it just doesn't matter? and empty it of its meaning. You see what I mean? We're careless. But, but maybe, maybe something you've never thought about is the third thing. It's not just that we use it dishonestly or handle it carelessly. It's that we live inconsistently. Do, 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 I gave you the literal translation. You shall not bear the name of God without purpose. You shall not bear the name of God in a way that empties of its meaning. What's the most obvious way we would do that? It's not that I happen to say OMG. It's not that I happen to blurt out something. Yes, all those should not be done. It's that I live inconsistently. I confess God is Lord. I come to church on Sunday. But the truth of the matter is, none of my neighbors, none of my friends, none of my family would even know unless I told them I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Not because I'm not carrying my Bible around or don't have a cross around my neck. I just don't live in any way consistent with the call of God on my life. I mean, look, I get it. Every one of us here, every one of us here talks a better game than we live, don't we, right? We're all being honest. When our non-Christian friends who look at the church and you invite them to church say, no way, that place is filled with hypocrites, your answer can be, amen, you're right. Now, not, again, I'm not excusing hypocrisy. You understand what I'm saying? It's just that we understand that, that there was no, there was the only person in history that ever lived a perfectly consistent uh, 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 life is the one who died for us, right? The name above every name. But, but saying that, saying that because we're all in one form or another hypocrites, therefore we're excused, our hypocrisy is excused, that's not what I'm saying. When God said, be holy for I'm holy, he wasn't kidding. And you take it over into the New Testament and what do you have? You have places where like Paul, Paul is gonna, in, in Galatians, talks about this time when he saw Peter acting hypocritically, he says. And he says, I went to him and I rebuked him to his face because his conduct was not in line with the gospel that he said he believed. You know what we ought to be praying? We ought to pray for friends like that. That can come and say, brother, I am, sister, I am concerned and I'm concerned about your violation of the third commandment that you are bearing the name of God in a way that empties it of its meaning. Paul's gonna say in the New Testament in several different ways. He's gonna say things like this. Walk in a manner worthy of God. Walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. What's he saying? Let your life be, don't violate the third commandment. Bear the name of God well. Christian, that's our calling. Do you understand this? This is, this is exactly, commandment number three is about all of your life, not just your speech. This is why Paul is gonna say in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through faith in him. 
That's the Christian life, isn't it? Do everything. Bear the name and bear it well. You are a bearer of the name of Christ. This is what you're called to. Look, look, look I, let me just, you don't have to go over there with me, but Romans, just write it down. Romans chapter two. Here's Paul talking and he's saying, I'm, I'm gonna show you why God's judgment is righteous. So anybody that thinks, you know, why would God do this? He's gonna give all kinds of reasons in the first three chapters of Romans. And then he says this in, in the middle of Romans two, verse 21, he says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who, uh, you who uh, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. As it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Do, do you hear this? You live so inconsistently with what you say you believe that people are blaspheming God because of us. We're called to live consistently. See, commandment number three is not just about my speech. It's about all of my life. Paul, Paul's gonna say, 1 Corinthians chapter five. Again, just write this down. Paul's writing to Christians. And I want you to just hear the implications of what he's saying here. He says this, now listen very carefully. He says, I wrote to you, those in Corinth, Christians, in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now, keep, keep listening. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Do you hear what Paul's saying? I'm not telling you don't interact with your, your, your non-Christian friends who are sleeping with one another, who are swindling their employer, who are dishonest, whatever. I'm not telling you, I'm saying go, go be their friend. Go let the light of the gospel show. But he goes on and says, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. How do you get the name of brother? Because God is our father, Christ is our brother. This is somebody who says, I'm a Christian. I name the, I bear the name of God. I bear the name of Christ. He says, he says anybody, I'm, I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Paul says there comes a place when your life, when someone's life that says I bear the name, I'm a Christian, I, I love Jesus, but I just get to live the way I want to and my life is so incongruous with the calling of God on my life, he says don't even associate, this is grounds for church discipline. This is grounds for them texting you and saying can you get together for lunch and say I'm sorry I can't. You bear the name of God in vain. This is no small matter. This is not a throwaway commandment. In, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have baptism. You know what Jesus commanded? Do you remember what Jesus commanded? Go and make disciples. And he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a naming ceremony. Baptism is sort of when the, you know, it goes public and it's official. I belong to Jesus. Jesus. 
Like, I, I gotta tell you something. Like, there is nothing more grievous to me than looking back on 15 years of baptisms at Foothill Church and realizing some of those people were baptized in vain. They, they used it as a water rite ceremony and they don't live anything like the new name that they were given. They bear it in vain. See, see God, God sets his name upon us and it means something. I'm part of the family. I belong to him. Bear it well. Numbers chapter six. And I'm gonna end with this, but Numbers chapter six, here's, here's God speaking to Moses. Remember, Aaron is the high priest. Okay, so God mediates through Moses to the high priest and he says this, he says, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, you all know this, if you've been to church, we've sung it before, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is so beautiful. But listen to what he says in verse 27. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. The name of Church, the name of God has been put upon you. The name above every name. Don't bear it in vain. Let's pray. Lord, uh, God, we, we come here this morning and uh, I imagine there's not one of us in this room that has not violated the third commandment. We've violated all of them, but this one just seems so obvious to us. We have used your name dishonestly. We have so often used it carelessly. You've become three letters in a text message. We use it as an expletive. But God, maybe most of all, we bear it in such a way that there doesn't seem to be any consistency in us. But God, I thank you that Jesus came and hung on a cross for all of those sins. And now you have highly exalted him. And you've given him the name above every name. And so we bow our knees again, knowing that today we will either bow willingly or we will bow against our will when history is culminated. Forgive us our sins, O oh God. Forgive us for emptying your name of meaning, of denigrating it, 
of so overusing it that it's lost its weight. We don't put our hand over our mouth. We don't gasp in horror anymore. God, not when it comes off the lips of somebody who's a pagan, but when it slips out of our mouth. Help us, O oh God. Jesus, I thank you that because of you, yes, we're forgiven. Because of you, we worship you and we worship your name, but most of all, you have now given us your spirit so that we are not left alone, so that we can bear your name well. Not because I work really hard, but because the spirit of God is at work in me, helping me to work really hard. I pray, God, for my friends today, for all of us, God, forgive us, help us to be people who bear your name well. And I pray for those that are here this morning that don't know you, Jesus, that today would be a day where their eyes would be open, that God, they will, they will either, as I said, bow their, their, their knee now or they will be forced to bow in the future. May today be a day of bowing their knee to the one who is high and lifted up, to the one who is exalted. We love you, God, we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen.